Amen, amen. Good morning, Identity Church, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers. We've, uh, we've just uh, given out the Father's Day gift here. Um, it's a Lowe's card, so I'm going to go and probably end up for that amount of money. I'll buy little sticky pads to, <laughs> to catch bugs. That's usually, it's usually what I do when I go to Lowe's is I buy things to kill bugs. But especially with all the rain, they're just coming out like crazy. But um, this morning, you know, the, the Lord, I didn't even know if I was going to teach on Father's Day because I about, you know, the Lord usually gives me my sermon about Friday or Saturday. And I would not gotten any direction whatsoever on Friday. And so late Friday night, about one o'clock in the morning, I get this, this like little tugging to go and read this one scripture the scripture is in john 17 20 and it says i do not pray for these alone but also for those who believe in me through their word they that all may be one as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be one in us you know the lord kept telling me that he came to restore Father back into the church. And, you know, Saturday night I stayed up pretty late. Um, and I was I was just kind of, I mean, which, you know, Charlie and Reba, my birthday is coming up. So they were kind enough to carve me up. So I was also like, you know, just I was on a sugar rush. I mean... We had had strawberry cake from Joe's Italian, and I was just, I was like, woo, I hadn't had anything sweet like that in quite some time. So, you know, the Lord decided to use that time frame. But, you know, one of the things that I kept studying about and the Lord kept leading me down to is that Jesus himself came to establish some stuff in the earth. He came to establish us back into the kingdom. He came to give us life and it more abundantly, as John 3 says. But you know, as, as I kept studying about this, I realized something that was pretty sad. I realized that there was not one amount of father and sonship that the Jewish people understood, that the Gentiles understood. They understood family Maybe. They understood what it meant to be from a place. You know, the Jewish people were very much like proud of, I'm from Jerusalem. I'm of this tribe. Right? I mean, I could point back and my ancestry was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then I'm from the tribe of, and I'll just pick Dan, you know, Dan or from Judah, or one of the other tribes. And so they had this idea, I call it tribalism. It wasn't this idealism about who my father was, how I, how I was raised. It was about, it didn't matter how I was raised. I was of the tribe of Judah. And I was from Jerusalem, and I, and I did these things. And see, I believe that there was an identity crisis in the earth complete and total identity crisis in fact 
We see it here, and, and I'll read the rest of the scripture in verse 22. It says, uh, in John 17, 22, it says, And the glory which you gave me, I give them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I love them as you love me. See, Jesus was trying to establish back, or maybe not even establish back, there may have not even been this concept of God the Father. I'm going to be honest with you. I did a lot of studying yesterday trying to figure this out. You know, one of the things that the Lord kept showing me was that there was only one reference in the Old Testament to God being Father. We find out that this, that God was king. Man, you can find lots of scriptures about God of the universe. God is king. God of Israel. God of, of these certain people. But you could not find God the Father anywhere in the Old Testament. They didn't even have a concept for it. It wasn't a truth to them. So Jesus came not only to give us life, not only to kind of put us back in the family, but he came to make God Father. In fact, Jesus actually references this 54 times in the Gospels where he goes and tells them, hey, you're the Father. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you the one that, that um, Psalms 89, 26 is the only place. God is singing to, to David. Through Ethan. Ethan the Ezraelite, he was, he was a psalmist and he was basically, whatever God was telling him, basically that was what uh, he was psalming to David. He was playing to David and one of the scriptures said that I will be your father, you will call me father, and I will also be your God. So this is what God was telling David, hey, I've got such a great relationship with you that you're able to call me Father. Go ahead and start doing it. Because it wasn't a concept that he had known. It's like this. It's like when I got married to Heather, and I came into the family, and I called Charlie Mr. Gullion. Or I said, Charlie. And then, you know, every once in a while I'll go up and I'll say, yeah, Dad, or I'll mess with him or whatever. But that was a concept that I was not going to broach unless Charlie goes, hey, just call me dad, okay? See, God had to go to Ethan in order to create a song to say, David, start calling me dad. You will do this. You will start calling me father. See, we don't typically, until we get to a certain place, know what to do until we're told to do it, Right? I'm going to be honest with you. One of the great things I learned from my dad is don't be afraid to tear it up. <laughs> I mean, my dad was really good at we were going to go out and do something and sometimes we'd just break it so irreparably that it was never going to go back together. And you know what? That happened. So now I don't feel as bad when I go break something and I go, well, okay, I gave it my, my best shot 
I might have been able to repair it. But you know, on the given hand, more than 50% of the time, I can go and I can take something apart, clean it, do whatever we need to do with it, and I can put it back together. It, I can go put a little part in something. I was having a problem the other day with a sump pump. Now, Dad's never shown me this, except for when I moved into the house that me and Heather lived in in Forestdale, and that sump pump died on me. And Dad looked at the thing, we put it together, he said, you're just going to go buy a new sump pump. Well, you know, I went and bought a sump pump, but you know what? We looked at it first. He didn't go, just go buy a sump pump. I, I picked up the phone, called Dad. Dad got in a car and came over, and we looked at it. He didn't go, yeah, I don't have enough time. Go buy a sump pump and just put it in. Or call somebody to put it in. No, he came and he showed me, okay, this is what this is and that's what that is. And it basically looked like a toilet plunger. I mean, when you, when you finally got down to it. Well, a couple weeks ago, I'm sitting there. I've got our little sump pump that goes to our AC unit. And it's just running. And it's running. It's running. We get out of the car. I said, well, that thing was running. When we left, it's running now. And I go over there, it's hot. So I pull the thing up and I start messing with it and sure enough, the little plunger that dad had shown me on the other, on the big one, it was stuck. So I pop that sucker and then I put it back in. You know what I did? I got some water, I filled the thing up, it shot the stuff out of the reservoir and it worked. But do you know why I didn't just go, oh my God, I need to go call somebody. Because my dad said, hey, it's okay to go and tear it up. You know, there are times that we need Father God to tell us it's okay to mess up. Because on the other side of that mess up, you're going to learn something. In fact, we, we find out that, you know, Jesus told us that, that, we, that we have a heavenly Father. In fact, Matthew 5.48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Are we perfect? No, but I'm striving towards perfection in Christ Jesus. He's my template. He's my mold. He's the thing I'm looking at and saying, ah, I want to be like the Son. Because you know what God says? He looks at us and goes, Yep, you're part of Jesus. You're my son and my daughter, and we have that perfection in us through Christ Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to mess up, but you know what? He's always on the other side of that, and he's got plans for us. He's got purposes. He's got gifts that he's put in us, and when we go through those things, he is going to bring us out on the other side. See, Jesus gave us an example of who the Father was through him. Do you know that that's our job is to be the Father on this earth? That when people see us, they see Jesus? That our witness is when I sit down with someone and I'm having coffee and they're having a problem and I can give them a piece of Jesus. Do you know that that is our whole purpose in life is to be sons and daughters of God. I know that sounds really weird because, you know, I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I, I've, I've been doing cybersecurity engineering for over 20 plus years. You know, a lot of people would say, well, what is your purpose? 
You know, they might look at me and they may go, well, your, your purpose is you work for the power company and you do these things because that's, that's what I've always done. Might look at Charlie and say, respiratory therapist. Might look at dad and say, oh, he's a meat salesman that now drives cars. <laughs> do you know that our purpose is not those things? Those are things we do along the line. But our main focus and our purpose is to be sons and daughters of the Most High Father God. So Jesus came to, to basically make us sons and daughters. He came and made us a part of the Father's house. Now there's a lot here. And I'm going to go through this, but I want you to understand that Basically, we need to understand that truth and the teaching of truth is what sets us free, right? That's what the Word says. We're about to hear it again here in John chapter 8. But what I want you to understand is that truth is what we tend to get from a source. Now, I've already told this story before. I had a grandfather that told me that men have less ribs than than women do because God took a rib out of man's side. Well, that wasn't true. But I believed it for a long, long time because he was a source, right? Now, it didn't really screw me up. I just got made fun of a little bit. But other than that, you know, we tend to need to have a source. We need tend to need to have somebody that imparts something into us. So John 8, 28 says, Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that, that I am He, that I do nothing of myself, but my Father taught me. I speak these things. And He said unto me, um, and he, he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed Him. Then Jesus said unto those Jews who believed, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So this is a snippet. This is a small part of a probably an all day teaching on the mount. Because this is two chapters of Jesus teaching on the mount. So Chapter 5, Jesus walks up on the mount. All these people follow him. He goes up there and he does the Beatitudes, right? Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Well, Jesus teaches for, oh, I don't even know. I actually think this is the cliff notes. I think if you go and read uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, essentially you're getting the cliff notes of what, of what they were able to take down. Because Jesus was teaching for a long period of time. And this is one of the things that he did as a part of trying to teach the disciples and the Jews. He was trying to show them that there is a, that there's a place for the Father in their hearts. That there is truth that can be had. And it says here in verse 33, they answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will make me free? 
Oh, who did they go back to? They said, Abraham's my father. Not God. See, Abraham made them free. Well, I got news for you. They believed they had no sin. I'm the Pharisees of the Pharisees. I'm the one that I'm the one that came from the direct descendant of Abraham. I'm never in bondage to anything. So what does Jesus tell him here? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, Oh yeah, you are in bondage. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. See, what we have to understand here is that who the Son sets free is free indeed. We actually sang it this morning, right? But what I want you to understand here is that it doesn't matter where you came from, okay? Because, I mean, we're in America. We're in one of the richest nations in the world. In fact, I think this is the problem that we have in today's society is that you go and talk to somebody and you say, do, do you have sin in your life? Jesus can get it out. You know, what, you, you know what they'll say? Well, I'm a good person. And I go, well, you know, I was actually talking to somebody about a year, year and a half ago before all the pandemic stuff happened. And I was in Atlanta and this person said, well, I don't need to be saved. And I said, you don't? And he said, no, I don't. And he was kind of being crass with me, basically told me to go do whatever I was supposed to do to myself, you know? But I told him, I said, well, have you ever lied? And he goes, well, everybody lies. I said, well, then everybody's in sin. I said, have you ever stolen? And he just stopped. I said, yeah, you've stolen. I said, have you ever cursed anybody? not loved them. I said, you just did it to me. I said, you are those things. He was like, well, how can you put that on me? Well, it's because that's what you do. That's, that's who you are. That's the way you are. That is who you are. That's your identity. That's your sonship. That is everything. You don't know how to be anything but a liar, a stealer, a... a a cursor. You don't know anything but those things. And so it didn't go real well. He eventually just walked away. But what I want you to understand is that we come from this really great place called America. Just like the Jews did. The Jews came from Jerusalem like God chose Abraham and his seed. And I'm a seed of Abraham. God... God is not my father. He's my king and my ruler. Abraham's where I get my promise from. See, I want you to understand is that they did have covenants. We have a covenant. We have several covenants. But the covenant that was given unto the Jews, they, would, they believed it. I'm talking about to the point to where they would go around. I mean, they were the richest people. They had the most stuff. They... They did. They, they lived a much higher life than most people because they had a covenant promise. But Jesus was basically saying, look, that, that's all going to come to an end. 
See, you're not a son of God. You're a son of what you believe is just Abraham's promise. They didn't know Abraham. They didn't know anything about it other than, well, God blessed Abraham. So just like being in the richest nation, you know, basically, you know, there's people that can be free to do whatever they want in America, but they are perpetually in poverty. They are on welfare. You know that they'll never get out of it because they are bound in their heart to poverty and welfare. Every once in a while you'll have people that will break out of that mold and they'll go on to do something good. But a lot of them, it's like, well, my, my, my grandmother was in it, my mom was in it, my dad was in it, my granddad was in it. Well, I can just be in it. It pays the same, right? I don't have to do anything. That is a mentality that they can't believe for anymore. They're bound to their situation. So also, free will doesn't make you free. You know, we, we tend to go, oh, I've got free will. You know, let's all go out and let's get drunk tonight. Let's go out and let's shoot up. Let's get on drugs. Let's do whatever it is. Hey, this is the one that really affects me. Gluttony. Let's go eat a lot, which we're going to do here in a minute. But, you know, the thing is, is that bondage is just that. I can be free and have free will and people go, you can't tell me what to do because I'm free to do whatever I want. Yeah, absolutely. And then the next thing you know, it's like, this thing owns me. I don't own it. See, free will doesn't mean that you're free. Free will just means I get to choose. Free will means I get to choose God or I get to choose the world. One of the two of them are going to affect me. I don't get to just be neutral. You know, I think it's really funny when an atheist will say, well, I just, I don't believe in anything. And I go, well, you believe in the Big Bang, right? I said there was this magical little dot in the middle of the universe, magic, that created all the mass and all the things that are out here. I said, you want to talk about faith? That's some faith right there. You believe in some really crazy stuff. I don't believe in the Big Bang Theory from what the scientists say. In fact, I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of scientists that don't believe it anymore. A thousand years from now, they will continue to change their belief systems because they don't know. But God will remain the same for a thousand, for ten thousand, for a million, for eternity. His word will never, ever, ever change. But see, they change all the time and they believe crazy stuff. I actually told an atheist one time, I said, you got too much faith for me. I said, because I don't have that kind of faith. I can't believe in a little magical thing that was out there that just created everything. I said, your God is a little bitty thing out in the middle of, of the universe. You can't see it. You can't study it. You can't do anything with it. They love you, don't they? Oh, they love me. <laughs> do you know that the, the problem that we have today is that we get to choose what we believe. That was the whole thing that Adam and Eve fell for. 
What was the tree that they that they ate from? The knowledge of good and evil. Well, I get to decide what's good and what's evil. Well, you know, crack cocaine is just as good as anything else. Well, I can believe that. And I can be bound by it. And then there's going to be people that's going to go, Dusty, don't do that. See, what we have to understand is that we're all under something. And I would rather be under truth then I would rather be under a lie. Because under a lie, it's death. It's death, not only physically, your body doesn't matter. Everybody's gonna die. We're all gonna die, and we're gonna go somewhere. But you know what? Destruction of your body is just the, the smallest piece. Destruction of your mind, your will, and your emotions to where you live a life where you're in continuous fear and strife that is the problem that we have in our society today. You know that your church slash religion does not make you free. Now, this one right here is fighting words. I mean, I know that there's people that may be listening here that goes, well, by golly, my church makes me free. Well, no. How many people have, have heard of doctrines in churches? Okay? Now, some of these doctrines... And Heather actually dated a guy that was from an old line church of God, right? And this guy basically told her, said, hey, we're going to go to my church tonight. Don't wear any makeup. Don't wear, you know, don't wear pants. And don't tell them we went to the Oh, don't tell them we went to the movies. My God, we go to hell. I mean, we saw a motion picture. <laughs> you know, I... I, I look at some of these things and I think, well, that's really funny. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I'd never believe anything like that. Well, guess what? I've also been a part of churches that there was people who didn't believe in dancing. You can't dance unless you're dancing for the Lord. Oh, by the way, we went to a church one time. They got really mad at us about doing Santa Claus and Easter eggs and all this stuff. Christmas trees. Oh, Christmas trees. My God, that's... That's Satan on a stick. I mean, literally, there are doctrines for everything. You shouldn't. I got a list of doc. I got a list of stuff that Identity Church can't do, guys. All right? You want to be a part of Identity Church? Here's the list. All right? And if you... Now, I don't care if you do this on my side and you don't let anybody know. Because I actually knew people that would be like, yes, we don't do Santa Claus and we don't do this, but we really do Santa Claus. I just don't tell everybody else because they'll think I'm crazy. See, church is not designed to make us free. Church is designed to bring us together. And Jesus is designed to make us free because he is truth and he is life. But see, when we separate Jesus and go put him, okay, Jesus, like in, in the, I mean, in the Catholic Church, go, where's his box? We need, hey, hey, can somebody go get Jesus' box, the Holy Spirit's box? We need to put it up here at the front, okay? Don't go open the box because Jesus is in there. But see, that's the, that's the doctrines that we separate Jesus and then we create all these rules. Do you know why we like rules? I mean, it's pretty, it, it's pretty amazing when you start looking at the psyche of humans 
We want to separate ourselves from everybody else. And who else, who else is with me? If I made a doctrine today that it was like, you know, nobody can eat ice cream. I'd lose everybody really quick. But, but the thing is, is that, is that if I found a bunch of people that were like, oh, that's a great rule. Oh, I want to be a part of that rule. Because I feel more holy when I don't eat ice cream. I'm going to tell you what. I'm lactose intolerant to a point. I feel really holy. I feel like somebody has knocked a hole in my stomach most of the time. But what I want you to understand is that people like to create rules because it makes them feel comfortable. I feel comfortable when, when we all don't believe in that pagan thing, Santa Claus. Well, you know what? I agree. If Santa Claus is your God, if that's what you're wanting to do, then I don't agree with it either. But if you're having fun with some kids, if you're watching Santa Claus the movie, I mean, I think it's funny. But you got to keep it in its proper perspective. And everybody, once they do that, we understand who Jesus is. He is freedom and truth. We have to do something. That's right. You know, everybody wants to do something. Everybody wants to be something. They want to be a, a part of a name. So, my, one of my last slides here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and we're going to eat and have a great Father's Day. But I wanted to, I wanted to tell you about Matthew chapter 7 because Matthew chapter 7 is a, is a really good verse here. That's, that's a part of that, uh, Matthew chapter 7 is actually a part of that same, uh, the same um, Sermon on the Mount. It's just another part of, of where he was at in his, in, his, um, in his message. But this is what we need to understand that a father imparts into their kids. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, if he asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, talking about people and fathers... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you, you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So I want you to understand something. This word father is patra. It's like, it's like um, um, both in the, the Greek, the... Uh, Italian, Spanish, that whole Latin-esque, um, you know, language that they had there. Um, you know, essentially they had, they had this same idealism about who the father was. Of course, a father is a male parent, mm -hmm. but it's also your ancestor. It's like, you know, them, the Jews saying, hey, Abraham is my father. They're the progenitor, the originator or transmitter of anything. Men give seed, women 
are the, the bearers of that seed through an egg, right? They create, um, you know, offspring that way. So the same idealism about a father from the Strongs was one who infuses his own spirit unto others, who actuates, who, who turns and governs their minds, governs children's minds. See, what we have to understand is that a father is someone who imparts something to someone. A father can be just, hey, Caleb's my son, and I'm his father, but also, what am I imparting? Because there's plenty of people who have offspring that they impart nothing else. That they just leave their offspring to themselves. They don't give them anything. And see, I want you to understand that a true father imparts their wisdom and their time to make an impression on their children. That's what a true father does. Not just has kids, because biologically that's easy. But a true father will make that impression. So a father meets their children's both physical and spiritual needs. So I want to give you a little bit of this background because the ask, seek, and knock. Okay? So Jesus here was trying to impart into people that God the Father, this is what he does in his children. This is why he does the things that he does in his children. Fathers help children get direction because there's all kinds of different people and they have different directions. You know, God puts us on different paths. He puts us in different means and different ways. And see, as a father, I pray for my children that they, that they find their way. You know, one of the things about Kaylee is is that I had no idea what esthetician was. She didn't even know it. In fact, she was going to go into cosmetology. She wanted to do makeup. She wanted to do all this stuff. And I remember this was a couple of years ago. Caleb and I were at a camp. And I've been praying, Heather and I, about, you know, what do, what do we do? What's Caleb want to do? I knew nothing about any of it. I mean, I was just kind of going, I'm just going to let her figure it out. But I was praying, Lord, show us, show us. So I go to this camp. I'm sitting down one night at a dinner. And there's a, a minister friend of mine and some of the people in his church. And I'm just talking, just talking. And all of a sudden, she asked me, well, what does your family do? What does your wife do? Oh, she's a teacher. Oh, you know, your kids, are they in school? Yeah, Kaylee's in school. To, you know, she's going to graduate soon, blah, blah, blah. She goes, well, do you know what she wants to do? And I said, well, she wants to get into something to do with skin and makeup and all that. She goes, oh, be an esthetician. And I go, huh? What is this e esthetician? So, so what happens is, is that she goes, oh, yeah, my daughter is going through a program right now to be an esthetician. And so I, I basically wrote, wrote it down in my, my notes on my phone, and, and I moved on. I told Kaylee about it. We looked it up. It was only two schools in Birmingham. She found the school that we, she went to. She just graduated from there. But do you know that I wouldn't have known if I'd not had a connection with somebody. Kaylee would, would have probably figured it out at some point. But I mean, we literally, I walked in. I said, have you heard of this thing called an esthetician? She said, yeah, I've kind of heard about it. I don't know that much about it. 
I said, I feel like the Lord put this lady in my path. Let's take a look. Did, did Dad, Dusty Cornelius, the cybersecurity engineer, never has had a massage, never had my face scraped by anybody, never had anything. Do you think I'm just going to come up with esthetician? No. The Lord says, ask. You know, when we ask, what does it tell us? It will be given to us. So fathers also help their children find their call and their guidance with their guidance. That's a part of that seeking process. We have to seek in order to know. I mean, I had no clue how to get where I'm at unless I sought the Father and He gave me some direction. And the way I went about getting to where I'm at didn't look like everybody else's. I mean, I worked with people, they went to school for four years, they got out of school, they took a job, and that job was where they're at. I went all over the place. I mean, I was in different banking places, Southern Company. I mean, I did all these different things because the father would say, hey, go over here and try this for a while. You know, that, that I want to do the exact same things for my kids. You know, we came down here to Thompson, you know, and wanted to go to Thompson for Caleb's perspective, so that he could see things like mechanical engineering and, and computer engineering. And he's actually taking computer engineering courses, which by the way, is pretty stinking awesome. Never ha we didn't even have computers in my school when I was going there. But that's, that is the beauty of it, is he gets to go try all this stuff out. And all it meant was that we moved down here and put him in school. Now we could have waited, it would have been fine, and he would have found his own, he would have found his way. God would have made a way in that situation too. But you know what? As his father, I'm sitting there going, eh, we can move down there. You want to do this? And he said, yes. You know that we work with our kids, we work with the people that we're trying to imprint the stuff on to find their way. And lastly, here, fathers help children realize opportunities. You know, just like God the Father, God is cultivating us continuously. He's rooting out those rocks of unbelief that are in our heart. Well, you know what? I do the same thing with my kids. We'll be sitting there and talking to them. Hey, my kids are more adventurous risk takers than I am. It's because they don't have very many rocks. Dusty still has some from a long time ago that I still sit there and I... I have to plant things around my rocks sometimes because I get so bogged down in my past. You know what? Caleb and Caleb, they just go, hey, I'm just going to go do it. You know, I love when I can help cultivate them, but I also love it when I can help cultivate others. I can make an imprint on people's lives. Let me tell you why, because we have a society full of people who don't understand what a father is. We don't. Last slide here. There's some infographics here that I'm putting up. Um, there's a father absence crisis in America. The U.S. Census Bureau actually put this out, I believe, for uh, 2019. And essentially, 
Without a father in the house, there's four times greater risk of poverty. There's more likely to have behavioral problems, two times the greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit a violent crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. I don't know how this works out with guys, but we'll... You know, I guess it would be on the opposite side, you know, just fathering a kid. Child abuse, more likely to face uh, abuse and neglect. More likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Two times more likely to suffer obesity. Two times more likely to drop out of high school. Do you know that, that that's, only, that's only one way of being able to show this? So I found this other graphic of why we need godly fathers. And we need godly mothers too. And this one right here is the tying both the father and the mother together. Because I'm going to show you some, some numbers here that makes a lot of sense to me. So essentially I have a graph here. It shows uh, really deep green is married couple households. The lighter green is mother only households. And then the really light green here is father only households. So this came from the Department of Education back in 2019. But the total, so you can, they have white, black, Hispanic, Asian, so on and so forth. But the total number here, the total number, 9% poverty rate if you have a mother and a father in the house. So if you have a mother and a father in the house, then you have a 91% almost guarantee that you're not going to be in poverty. 91%, that's pretty good odds. Especially for when it comes with a, um, with a mother-only household. It's 39%. 39%. So there's 61% is all, is all you get for that number. There's only a 61% rate that you're not going to be in poverty. It's only a little bit better if it's only a father, um, the father's house, uh, if it's only a father-only household, and it's 24%. See, overall, when, when men and women decide that they're going to have their kids and imprint in people's lives, and I actually believe that it's also if you had a mother-only home and you had a grandfather or you had somebody else in their life, a big brother or whatever, that could come in and imprint their life, I'm going to throw them in this category of a two, of a mother and a father household because they're more likely, 91% more likely. So being a father is not just having a child. Being a father is finding people who need a father and imprinting their life on, onto them to make their life better, to pull them out of that poverty mentality, to pull them out of drugs and alcohol and going to jail and committing crimes and having teen pregnancy because they're able to see somebody who did it. They're able to see somebody who is able to impart fatherhood into their life. Amen. Did y'all learn something today? Amen.